Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fock is dead, Wolf is wet, Chekhov's wearing red. Tita's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the world. Welcome to another awesome episode of Trek Talk, and I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And with me, as usual, are my Trek experts, and we'll start off with Charles. He's out in Las Vegas tonight. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. As we often talk about weather, it is a roller coaster right now. We had beautiful weather in the beginning of the week. Now we're getting cold, wind, and then it's going to bounce around again. Yeah, that's what it's doing here in Vermont, too. It's bitter, bitter cold right now, but it's supposed to warm up to 40, a heat wave. Tropical heat wave. I think last night the 50-plus mile-an-hour winds were a little bit rattling. I could, I can understand that. I can understand that. And uh, we also have with us, as usual, my other leading trek spurt, Eric, and he's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really well. It's a beautiful night in Portland, meaning that it is a little bit cold and a little bit rainy, just like most of our winter. <laughs> so nothing unexpected here. <laughs> Uh, but, man, super excited to be back on the podcast, guys. It's going to be fun. Listen, guys, our phone number here is the same it's been for the last several years. Um, you can give us a call at 646-668-2433, and we'll get you right on the air. We're going to be talking. This is a very special extended edition of Comic Corner, which we usually do on the first Mondays, but with this big lull in Star Trek without anything new to talk about, I thought we would incorporate Comic Corner and maybe Book Nook a little bit later on into Trek talking until we have some more Star Trek series, and then we'll break them back apart again into their individual podcasts. So this is going to be a special extended edition of Comic Corner. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Year 5, Issue 17 and 18. We're going to see the origin of Gary Seven and Isis. And we're going to see a little bit about what their mission is to uh, disrupt Captain Kirk, the Enterprise, and his triumphant return home. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Once again, the number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call. We'll get you on the air. I just want to say, oh, my God, we are at 37,000 followers on our Facebook page Um Another 2,000-plus this week, uh, at this rate, will break 40,000 maybe by the next show. That's incredible. Um, if you guys would like to be part of our family, 
You can go to Facebook.com backslash Truck Talking and Beyond, A-N-D, Beyond. Spell that all out. Uh, give us a like and a follow and help us crack 40,000. That would be incredible. Uh, before we get started with the show, there is some breaking news. Uh, an, uh, an article dropped from the Paramount Plus um, investors meeting this afternoon. Uh, I didn't have time to break the article down to get it on the air to talk about it tonight, but I do just have the highlight from it, and that is Prodigy will release with 10 new episodes on Paramount Plus this year before it moves to Nickelodeon. So they're going to drop it on Paramount Plus. When it wraps on Paramount Plus, it'll move to Nickelodeon. So you can see it first if you have a subscription to Paramount Plus. Another question that I keep getting frequently on the Facebook page that I want to address is, how do I get Paramount Plus? Well, it's very simple. If you already have CBS All Access, on the 4th, all you do is log out of your account and log back in with the same information, and that will take CBS All Access out, and then when you log back in, it will all be under Paramount Plus, but you have to log out and log back in, and your subscription will just go on as normal, as Paramount Plus. If you're not a subscriber to CBS All Access and you want to subscribe to Paramount Plus, you can do the same thing. Go to go to Paramount, um, sign up for it, and they have a half off special right now. And you just use the password Paramount Plus, and uh, you'll get a half off subscription. So if you're interested in that, by all means, please please go and do that. So now that I've got all of that out of the way. We're going to go around the globe with the numbers. And for that, we turn to Eric. Uh, Jim, this is one of my favorite parts of the show. This is the part of the show where we get to talk about our domestic and international listeners. So as always, about three quarters of our listeners come from the United States, which is where we broadcast from. But we have our top five international spots here. And spoiler alert, there's a new one. So in our number one spot, we have the UK with 4.9% of our listeners. That's up uh, 0.3% from last week, and that is actually a significant percentage jump from last week. So we're excited about our swell in the UK listeners right now. Thank you so much, you guys. Uh, in our number two spot, the folks down under still holding steady at 3.52%. Thank you all so much for listening to us from practically the other side of the globe. I love it. Our number three spot, cracking 3% for the first time in – I don't know, maybe a year or more, Canada, 3.01% of our listeners, our brothers and sisters to the north, thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Holding steady, our Scandinavian brothers and sisters, Norway in that number four spot with 2.67% of our listeners. And that's right, folks, we have a new number five coming out of nowhere with 1.17% of our listeners is Spain. So thank you so much to our new listeners in Spain. We can only presume it's new listeners or perhaps returning listeners. Thank you so much for listening to us. You guys, isn't that awesome? Every single international country went up in listeners this month. I love it. Yeah, and, and Spain knocked out Ireland, uh, and hopefully Ireland can climb back up into, the, into our rankings again. It, I was sad to see Ireland drop out of there, but I'm, I'm very glad, and I'm very, like to say, welcome and kapla to all of our listeners in Spain. It's great to have you. And uh, now we go like to go around and give individual fan shout-outs to our fans that say hello to us on our Facebook page. And as I said, 
You can do that. Go to facebook.com backslash Trek Talking and beyond. Spell that all out, Trek Talking and beyond. And you'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top. And just drop us a line. Tell us where you're listening to us from. Every week I pick 15 lucky fans. I would name them off in our fan shout-outs. If you see a little heart next to your name from Trek Talk, and that means that I chose you, and you're going to be listed on the show. So if you want to hear your name, you got to tune in. So, Eric, why don't you start us off with our first batch of five? Well, our very first shout-out this week goes to Radine Camilla Ramsey from Albuquerque, New Mexico, right here in the United States of America. So thank you so much, Radine, for listening to us. And thanks for interacting with us on our Facebook page. We really appreciate that. I'd also like to say thank you and hello to Renee Demkis from the Netherlands. Ah, that's so cool. Another European country. Uh, so thank you for listening, Renee. We're also saying hello and a big, as Jim would say, kapla to Ale Sueldo from Argentina. Ale, we do not have a lot of listeners from Argentina, but uh, it's nice to have you along for the ride. Thank you so much. Edward Fox. You're listening from Rosh Pina, Israel, all the way in Israel. Edward Fox, thank you so much for listening. And the last one on my list is Sabine Kuhn from Germany. Thank you, Sabine, for listening to us. Charles, who's on your list this week? Well, we're going to start off with Luann Davis in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Down below Jim, we get Salem Rest from Hartlepool, UK. We got Larry Samasco from Maryland. We got me. I'm not not Uh, sure if that's a misspell. Colomar from, eh, I'm having fun with this one. He's from France. Marseille. (laughs) Marseille. Marseille. And finally, a good, uh, a live long and prosper to Chris Brown, Mount Holly, New Jersey. And Jim, how about your group? And wrapping up our fan shout-outs for this week's show, we'd like to say kapla to Mark Collins in Australia. G'day, mate. He's in the land down under, and I bet you, I bet you he knows the dude. I, I bet uh, you he does. He's got sure. to. So no. thanks for listening, Mark. Uh, we'd like to, like to say hello to Mia Hansen, who's listening in Sweden. We'd also like to say thank you and hello to Pat Layton, who's listening in North Somerset, UK, another UK listener. That's incredibly awesome. We'd like to say live long and prosper to Lynn Hurt from North Carolina, right here in the old U.S. of A. Represent, Lynn. Thanks for listening. And our final, but definitely not, Last or least, um, Trek Talk and hello and thank you goes out to Duncan Gray. Duncan is listening in, to us in Bonnie, Scotland, Southwest, and Dumfries. She's been a Trekkie since the start, and she's 72 years old. Kapla to Duncan. We are so happy to have you along. Believe it or not, Duncan is older than me. <laughs> that is awesome. That is really, really awesome. Thank you. For uh, listening, Duncan, we really, really appreciate it. So those are our fan shout-outs. If you guys would like to be on the fan shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page, help us crack 40,000, let us know where you're from, and if you see a heart next to your name, 
that means you'll be on the next show. So now we do our Star Trek birthday. That was not a Klingon song. And we always start off our Star Trek birthdays with the remembrances of members of our Star Trek family who sadly are no longer with us. And for that, we turn it back over to Eric. Eric, what do we got to remember this week from our Star Trek family? Yeah, we have several folks who uh, would have had a birthday this week from our Star Trek family. The first person we're remembering this week is Patricia Smith, who played Dr. Sarah Kingsley in the TNG episode Unnatural Selection. Um, You'll remember her uh, as the runner of the space station that the Enterprise encounters where everybody's aging much too quickly and Dr. Pulaski has to, has to solve the problem. So uh, happy birthday and, and um, you know, remembrances go out to Patricia Smith. That was a great role for her in a pretty cool episode. Um, We're also saying happy birthday and remembrances this week to uh, somebody whose name you likely have heard before Fred Freiberger, uh, who was the TOS third season producer. So a lot of those uh, shows that you remember from the original series, that third season, he was the producer on those. Um, And I think that he got uh, mixed reviews in some of the third season stuff there. I personally think season three was great. Sure, there were a few stinkers here and there, but he did a great job as a producer and um, definitely somebody who's right up there in the lexicon of, uh, of Star Trek folks. So, a happy birthday to Fred Freiberger today. We're also saying happy birthday and remembrances to Marge Doucet, uh, who played the character of Kara in the TOS episode uh, Spock's Brain, uh, which, of course, everybody sort of, like, you know, maybe digs on a little bit here and there. But I will tell you what, uh, this actress, um, Marge Doucet, she was not only famous uh, for playing Kara in that episode, but she was a famous actress in her own right. She uh, played on The Guiding Light for years, uh, was in Facts of Life, Hawaii Five O, all sorts of those shows that you know uh, and have watched. She played roles in many of those, so definitely a very talented woman. Uh, and we miss Marjorie. Well, I State. think yeah. that uh, most fans would know her from Brain. Brain. What is Brain? Yeah, um. yeah, yeah. She is the one that just gets to say that famous line. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, ha- so uh, next on our list, we have uh, happy birthday and remembrances going out to uh, Celia Lovsky. Uh, and she, of course, played the original T'Pau, the older T'Pau who presides over Spock's wedding uh, in the 2S episode, Amok Time. They take that character and they develop her younger self a little bit later in Enterprise. And I, I really like that character of T'Pau as a result. But Celia Lovsky was so regal and so had such a presence as the older to pal in a muck time. I really appreciated her character. So happy birthday to Celia. We're also saying happy birthday and remembrances to Reese Vaughn, who played Lieutenant Latimer in the TOS episode, the Galileo seven, uh, sort of one of those folks who you would recognize from, you know, one episode of TOS, uh, one of the minor characters, but he had some lines uh, and uh, he did a great job in that role in the Galileo seven. And our last remembrance this week is a big one, folks. Uh, the first lady of Star Trek would have had a birthday this week. That's right. Happy birthday and remembrances going out to Majel Barrett Roddenberry. 
Um, so much can be said about her. She, of course, was not only the, uh, the wife of Gene Roddenberry, but uh, she also played a couple of pretty famous roles uh, in Star Trek. In the original series, she played, of course, Nurse Chapel, Christine Chapel. And then later on, perhaps more famously, I got to play the mother of Deanna Troy, uh, Luaxana Troy, who is personally one of my favorite Star Trek characters of all time. I just think uh, Luaxana Troy has this energy and this vivaciousness that almost no other Star Trek character have, and I love her for that. Uh, And her influence on Star Trek is, is undeniable. Well, one another thing yeah. in there that I've seen recently is reminder that before she passed away, she recorded an entire phonetic library, and therefore able to maintain as the as the computer as the Enterprise computer for mm-hmm. many That's right. decades. Yep, in the Enterprise D, the voice of the computer. Yep. She also so cool. was number one in the original episode, The Cage, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. And I got a little story I want to tell you guys about, Majel. Um, second, uh, it was my second Star Trek convention that I ran in Albany. Uh, yeah, my second one. And Majel Barrett was there, and Carl Striken was there. And I went to the airport to pick up Majel Barrett, my, me and my wife. And I get to the airport, and she's got her bags of stuff, and she's got this giant, ro- you know, those rolly suitcases that you pull behind you with the pull-out handle? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So she has that, and uh, so I, I get her bags, and I'm rolling it out to my car, and I get to my car, and I go to pick the bag up, and I thought I was going to bust a nut. <laughs> I, I felt like, I swear to God, I felt like Captain Picard in that episode where he picks up the bag. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, what's in this bag? It was filled with TNG scripts, oh, and wow. it weighed a ton. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, just, I, I did manage to get it into the car and get it out of the car with a little bit of work, but uh, wow. And I, it just reminded me of that scene from the episode where Captain Picard goes to pick up her bag, only it was in reality. <laughs> That's so funny. And full of paper. <laughs> and and I'll tell you, she she was an incredible, incredible guest. She was gracious to everybody. She came to the party to meet all my staff that worked on the convention. Uh, she was just, uh, she definitely was the first lady of Star Trek and uh, a great, 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 great lady. And uh, she's definitely, definitely missed. And uh, we'll never forget her. So happy oh birthday gosh. to Mitchell Barrett Roddenberry. I love that you have all those great stories about her, Jim. They just really, for somebody who never got to meet her, uh, they just really kind of bring her to life in a way, other than just seeing her on the screen or reading about her in a book or, or that sort of thing. So thank you for sharing those. Um, yeah, she was, was, she was, she was funny. <laughs> she was so Major was a, Major was the last of our remembrances this week, but before I pass it along to Charles, I'd like to give one special current and very much alive birthday shout out today to my sister, Angie, who is out there in Wisconsin. It is her birthday today. She, I will not tell you how old she is. She is my younger sister though. uh, And I know that she is listening. So uh, I love you very much. Happy birthday to you. And Charles, who's on your list this week? Oh, wait, wait a second. Oh, wait, wait. 
So we, that means that we have to send out our special Trek Talking oh. birthday song to Angie. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> that's right. So do Angie, it. that's that's right. We do this. This song is a special. Um, we play the Klingon song for our general birthdays, but we have a special birthday song for special occasions for for special people like you, Angie. So we're going to send this one out to you on your birthday. This is a special birthday song from Weird Al. Well, there's a punk in the alley and he's looking for a fight. There's an Arab on the corner buying everything in sight. There's a mother in the ghetto with another mouth to feed. Seems that everywhere you look today there's misery and greed. I guess you know the earth is going to crash into the sun. But that's no reason why we shouldn't have a little fun. So if you think it's scary, if it's more than you can take, just blow out the candles and have a piece of cake. Happy birthday! Happy birthday from our Trek Talking family, Angie. I hope you had a great, great day. All right, so now, <laughs> now we can turn things over to Charles. All right. Well, we're going to start off with, we didn't have as many birthdays. We almost, Eric almost has more birthdays than we do this week. Let's start off with Richard Damer. Played Manalis. In DS9's episode, Homecoming, The Circle, and The Sea. And then the rest of these, I think, are a lot more familiar with us. Let's start off with Kelsey Grammer. who played Captain Morgan Basin. Uh, uh, yeah, Basin. In the TNG episode, Cause and Effect. That's where the Enterprise was caught in that loop. And mm-hmm. he appears in the in the TOS style ship. But he's and been it's really, lost. And it's amazing many, when you look. Many. Yep, that's right. And it's amazing when you look back over the series how many people from Cheers made their way yeah. to Next Generation <laughs> in the movies. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Exactly. You also recognize him from his from Cheers from his own series. Then we got Martha Hackett, who played Fesca in Voyager and Teru in DS9, the first, the first part one. My favorite Ron and the character, one, and they killed her off. They just, just killed her I off. Know. See? Well, when and I she's like one of the character. only... Yep. <laughs> and she's one of the only characters that gets to play the same character as multiple races, too, right? You, because she you she's hiding. I won't give it away, but she's at least <laughs> she's one <laughs> she's one race of person, but she's hiding out as another and neither of them is human. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my fourth birthday is one that's new to our list, but it's a great addition. That's Tawny Mason. Handsome man man uh, Mariner Beckett. On the Lower Deck series. Great character. I love oh, her. Oh, okay. I've been enjoying some of the memes Jim's been posting. 
on that one. <laughs> but yeah, what she's, a, a she's a great character. She's a great character. I can't wait to see what they do with her in season two now that Boimler's on Riker's ship. It's mm-hmm. going to be interesting. It will be interesting. So listen, guys, yes, we definitely. have to take our first commercial break for, yep. for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. Uh, so don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this very brief yet very important commercial message. Don't touch that dial. We have more birthdays to talk about. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. And, you know, with all this COVID stuff that's going on, uh, my buddy TJ over at Freakopolis Geekery could really use some some of your support in these trying times. So if you're looking for some Star Trek comic books or you want to get a copy of Star Trek Alliance or you're looking for some Star Trek attack wing ships, uh, please head over to Freakopolis Geekery. You can find them on Facebook. There's a link on our, on our uh, Trek Talking page. And uh, help help them out. They're a local family business. Uh, just TJ and his two brothers and his mother and father, and they could really really use some help right now. So if you're looking for anything, please head on over there. Tell them Uncle Jim sent you, and they'll take care of you. So let's wrap up our birthdays. I've got some really good ones here on my list to to finish things up. Yeah. First, we want to say happy birthday to Gary Lockwood. Gary Lockwood played Carrie Mitchell in the TOS episode where no man has gone before. Um, with the glowing eyes. Um, but for me, being a little bit older, uh, I remember him as Frank Poole from 2001, A Space Odyssey, um, mm-hmm. a movie that I've watched a dozen times. I've read the book a dozen times trying to understand it. <laughs> and That's I still so don't. Good. <laughs> so I think uh, that's the point. That's the point, Jim. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great movie. I mean, I just interpret it. It's a, as I get older, I interpret it different. I, it's a great movie, mm-hmm. uh, 2001 yeah. A Space Odyssey. So happy birthday to Gary Lockwood. Uh, the next guy that we're going to talk about ha- has a birthday is actually a character that we're going to talk about on next week's show. Um, we want to say happy birthday to James Sloan, who played Admiral Jarek in the TNG episode, The Defector. And we're going to talk about that episode and that character next week. But, wait, there's more. He also played Kintar, uh, the old time-traveling Alexander, in the TNG episode Firstborn. Pretty cool episode. He also played Dr. Maura Paul in the TS9 episode The Alternate. He's the, the uh, Bajoran that was studying Odo. Mm-hmm. And uh, last but not least, 
he played Dr. Jertrell in the Voyager episode, Jertrell. Uh, I don't think I saw that episode because I don't recall it, but I missed a lot of Voyager episodes when I moved out here to Vermont. So that might be one of the ones that I missed. So happy birthday to James Sloan. And these last two are biggies. Uh, I I don't know what else to say except (laughs) they're big ones, right? Uh Right. Yeah. The first one. The first one goes out. We are very. Oh, oh my God! Oh my God. shield and surrounding We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to serve as us. Resistance is futile. Back. Yeah. The Borg are trying to rear their ugly heads, but guess what? We don't have anything to worry about because Seven of Nine, Jerry Ryan is here to protect us, and this week is her birthday. And, of course, she played the character Seven of Nine on Voyager and reprised that role on Star Trek Picard, and we'll be seeing her again in, in uh, Picard Season 2, which is currently filming. So a huge, huge happy birthday to Jerry Ryan. Uh, Star Trek wouldn't be the same without her. Um, I can yeah. honestly say that uh, I loved her character, not for the obvious reasons, but I, I felt that um, that particular character was one that the the Voyager took a chance with that character and gave us something mm-hmm. truly unique, truly different, and gave us an opportunity to learn about an enemy. And that's what always fascinated me the most about Star Trek, is here's, here's an enemy that becomes a friend. And we get to learn so much about the Borg and so much about her regaining her humanity, her relationship with a holographic doctor, which was a whole other dynamic in and of itself. And I just feel that the addition of Jerry Ryan to Star Trek Voyager just made it just phenomenally um, incredible. So happy birthday to Jerry Ryan. Now, you guys have listened to the show. This last one is a huge one. In fact, his birthday is today. And um, I think he's incredible. I think that he is, without a doubt, I'm going to go on a limb here and say the best Starfleet captain we've ever seen. And I'll explain that in a minute. Um, Anson Mount, who played Captain Christopher Pike on Star Trek Discovery Season 2 and on the upcoming Strange New Worlds. And I think the reason why I think he is, I think he's the best of Kirk. He's the best Picard. I think he's got some Giorgio in there. I just think that he is, he's the quintessential captain. He's the, when you think of a hero, when you think of a captain, all those things are Captain Pike. And Anson Mount just, just, just bubbles all of that. And I just think his portrayal of Captain Pike was just, I can't say enough. I love the guy. I think he's great. I can't wait to see Strange New Worlds. I think it's going to be an instant home run. And I just, I love, love, love the character of Anson Mount. And I think one of the things that makes him such a great captain is that he knows his destiny. You know, he knows how he's going to die. He knows when it's going to happen. And, Yet he still carries himself. Uh, he's not depressed. He's about it. He he carries himself with all the, the respect and dignity that the captain deserves. 
and a person that knows his own demise and he's not afraid to accept it head on. And I'm really excited about what he's going to do with strange new world. So happy birthday to Anson Mao. And while we're talking, well, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. I guess I'll play it right here. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have a a clip here for you guys. Um, Paramount pictures or Paramount plus just had their, um, uh, investors meeting and they showed a sizzle reel to their investors about all the upcoming projects and they actually put together a little clip called the Star Trek universe where it lays out where Star Trek where they want to take it and had some all clips from all their new shows and so I'm going to play that for you right here right now I posted the video on our Trek talking page but this is the audio from that video the Star Trek universe We have always looked to the stars to discover who we are. For over half a century and across five generations, young and old, Star Trek has inspired us with its vision of the future. Let's see what's out there. Today, that future is here. An entire universe of Star Trek is streamed right to your screen on Paramount+. Plus. And in just three years, the Star Trek universe has expanded at warp speed, starting with Discovery, which brought the look and feel of our Star Trek movies to television. Let's show them who we are. We took another leap forward with the return of Picard, Trek's first true adult drama. Brace yourselves! And we crossed into a new frontier of teenage comedy with the animated Lower Deck. Plus, two more Star Trek adventures are on the horizon. Let us begin. Strange New Worlds, the adventures of Captain Pike, Number One, and Lieutenant Commander Spock as they embark on the maiden voyages of the Enterprise. Headed. Followed by Star Trek Prodigy, the first animated Trek show for children. Each of these shows features eye-popping, big-screen visuals with characters who reflect the best in all of us and are available anytime, inviting our audience to experience what's truly special about Star Trek. Adventure, exploration, friendship, and family, and the belief that we can set aside our differences to create a brighter future of inclusion and optimism. Let's fly. So what do you think, guys? I think it's a great time to be a Star Trek fan, for sure. Oh my gosh, yeah. there's so much from the hopper. It's so good. I'm like, I, I know there's going to be little breaks where we don't have it here and there, but there's so much new stuff coming out. Any Trek fan has to be excited about that. Just the energy behind yeah. the whole franchise. It's going to be great. That I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. That also didn't even include Picard and uh, Section 31 in there, too. Mm-hmm. That's right. There is so yep. much in the can right now. And there's all there's constant rumors of new more stuff they wanna they wanna do. Yeah, I'd like to see I really would like to see them bring back short treks again because I really, really enjoyed the way they were able to tell these short ten to fifteen minute stories and show us things and tell us things that maybe didn't fit into an episode or stuff that wasn't really big enough for an entire episode well, well, like Calypso for instance no. or well, I, um, the animated the animated one that had um, uh, the um, uh, what was that the space and the girl who saw the stars yeah yes. 
and yeah. Children of Mars. That was another great one. So, well, I, I think know, one of the funnest parts. I think one of the funnest parts of those short tracks is trying to then connect them back to, in this case, you know, Discovery in the end, because eventually what they did, remember, guys, was they went back and they reconnected every single short track to the main storyline uh, in Discovery. And I just think, except for Calypso so far, which is the only one that nope, we don't know uh, for sure. Uh, we didn't yeah, tie in the trouble yeah. with Edward either. Okay. Well, generally speaking, what they're doing is they're going back and tying all of these back in with the show, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah that, that is. That's a lot of fun. And I hope they do some more of those. I really well, I, do. I, but, I, I don't uh, I'm, expect I'm, I'm them to give with, up on short tracks. I expect them to yeah. do more short tracks in time. Yeah, I, I, I hope that they do. But we have a lot to look forward to, a lot of Star Trek, and we're going to be very busy on this podcast, breaking down, analyzing, and discussing all the great Star Trek that we have coming down the pike. So we're done with our birthdays and all the, all the, the breaking computer. news. And now it's time for Star Trek. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. So this is part of the show yeah, where we talk we about do, Star Trek news. Yep, go ahead, we do news, just a reminder that all but one of those is Major Barrett Roddenberry. Yep, that's right. That's right. So listen, guys, all the stories that we're going to talk about here, uh, I've paraphrased them. If you hear something interesting, you can go to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond, and you can read the articles in their entirety. Okay? So please keep that in mind. So the first article that I want to start off with, as I told you guys how much I love Anson Mount, I think he's the man. So I'm going to start out with, an Anson, with a, a Star Trek a Strange New World story. The title of this article is Why Star Trek's New Series is Such a Big Deal. Ever since seeing Anson Mount step up as Captain Pike on the second season of Star Trek Discovery, fans have been petitioning for him to get his own spinoff series. Pike is a character little seen in the Star Trek besides his appearance in the original pilot, The Cage, filmed for Star Trek, which wasn't even aired on television until 1988. A Trekkie himself, Mount knew the amount, amount of pressure involved in taking the chair. He knew all eyes would be on him. We know characteristics about him, but we never really got to see him in action as captain on the bridge. Mount took this opportunity and ran with it. Imagine the best qualities of Kirk and Picard merged together. Pike is confident and loyal and incredibly determined. He is strong and yet compassionate, both a tactician and a philosopher. He is wise with a great sense of humor. His presence is both intimidating and impressive, yet he is transparent and humble and takes time to assess the strengths of each officer. One of the most important aspects of Pike is that we know what ultimately becomes of him. Sometime after Kirk takes over the Enterprise, Pike is involved in a ship accident where he is horribly wounded with radiation while saving the ship's occupants. And with the criticism that Trek has taken, 
<coughs> trek as a whole has taken has become a dark and heavy, lately, a reflection of our time. Pike promises to return to the optimism and curiosity that Trek really is to explore strange new worlds. And yeah, I agree with, with that article wholeheartedly. There's a lot more there. There's some interviews with uh, Anson himself where he talks about preparing to play Pike and stuff. So you guys, I recommend you read that article in its entirety. And uh, that brings us up to Charles. Charles, what do you got on your list? Okay, this is perfect for today's today's show and something on my watch list. Preview next four issues of Star Trek Year 5 at IDW Series Heads with Grand Finale. The Star Trek Voyagers, Seventh Reckoning wrapping up, IEW's truck focus the next few months will be on Star Trek Year 5 series, which tells the story of the final year of Captain T. Kirk's five-year mission. Issue 19 of the series was just released this week, wrapping up a two-issue pandemic story arc line. There will be six more issues for the Year 5. series will be back with Issue 20, in the first week of April, with 21 coming later in the month, expect two more issues, 22 and 23, arriving in May, which are the f- uh, first two entries in a three-issue grand finale episode of the series. Issue 24 wraps up the finale in June. In July, IDW will release issue 25, which will be an oversized epilogue written with little vignettes by the whole writing team and drawn by mostly artists as well. Boy, mm-hmm. that 25 is going to be a great issue. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be a great finale to it because even what we're finishing today is still moving on to the next next issue. So we can yeah, wait so I, to see what happens with this series. I guess my big question is when year five wraps up, uh, what Star Trek title is going to take its place? Because they don't have they don't have any other ongoing titles. Uh, so I I'm hope, sure there's I hope something that's in the wings we just don't know about yet. Knowing yeah, IW, there's something in the wings. I would agree. I would bet that they would branch out into some of these new series that we're seeing, and maybe even taking some of these characters and putting them. Uh, into different situations, I think it'd be, I mean, they won't, they certainly won't drop anything before any of the series start, but let's say that they, you know, they've already started with Lower Decks and it's been very successful and they're heading into season two. I could see them maybe giving uh, a Lower Decks comic a try, you know, just seeing if it works. I think it would have a different tone from some of the comics that we've seen, but it seems like the the new philosophy of Star Trek 3.0 here is diversity, you know? give a lot of different kinds of shows, a lot of different kinds of experiences. And, you know, the hope is that there'll be a track for everyone. Well, do you think maybe, you think maybe they'll do a, do you think maybe they will do a, I was going to say, maybe they'll do something with strange new world along the lines that they did with discovery with the, um, with the Klingon trilogy that we talked about in Discovery, maybe they'll 
they'll do a Pike Strange New World type of story like that, like they did with Discovery. Yeah, I think we'd probably see the series first, but if the series was a success, then I could absolutely see that. So, uh, Eric, you have our next story. And isn't it funny how you guys get the stories that are just geared right for you? Isn't that, isn't that strange how that happens? It's almost like there's a <laughs> master plan at work here. Uh, well, it just so yeah. happens that I, I, get, I get a story about one of my favorite captains. Uh, Star Trek Voyager's Captain Janeway died a ridiculous number of times. Yes, that is true. Despite all of Starfleet's technological advances, impressive armadas of ships at their disposal, and the highly trained crews under their command, space is still a wild and untamed frontier. None experienced this quite like Captain Catherine Janeway, played by Kate Mulgrew, and her crew. The 70,000 light years to get back to Earth pitted Janeway and her crew against dangerous and never-before-seen foes like the Vidians, the Krenum, and Species 8472. Janeway had her work cut out for her and steered her ship through one crisis after another, but she didn't always come through unscathed. Janeway, Janeway died a ridiculous 17 times throughout Voyager's run. Wow. Most of her, (laughs) it's, it's like, I don't think anybody else can beat that. I'm not really sure if she gets the statistical uh, win there or not, but I got to believe it's right up there. Uh, Most of these resurrections are a result of time travel, of course, and alternate timelines. An example of this is seen as early as season one, episode four, time and again, when Janeway and Lieutenant Tom Paris investigate a massive explosion on a planet and they are thrust back in time to prevent the disaster. In episode 21 of season two, an alternate version of Janeway and her crew encounter their mirror selves after an accident in a plasma field and find themselves at the mercy of recurring villains, uh, the Vidians, uh, who I think are particularly scary. Uh, Janeway's alternate uh, self sacrifices herself and their crew, killing the Vidians on board and allowing Voyager's original crew to escape with their lives. And I, as an aside, I think this is a theme that we see with Janeway quite often. Season 3, episode 15, Coda sees Janeway trapped in a loop of reoccurring deaths after a shuttlecraft incident. She's strangled, blown up, up shot, and poisoned, and wakes up in the shuttlecraft over and over again, all while she sees visions of her dead father. One of Janeway's most famous deaths, though, comes from the two-part episode, The Year of Hell, which pits the Voyager crew against the time-altering villains, the Krenum, who are attempting to rewrite history and return their empire to its former glory. The Krenum battle Voyager for a hellish year of tragedy and loss, and Janeway finally ends the crisis by crashing Voyager into the Krenum's ship, resetting the timeline in the process. Voyager is at home in the Season 7 finale, but the success comes at a cost, and it weighs heavily now that uh, on the now Admiral Janeway. She travels back in time to warn Voyager and help them defeat their greatest enemies, the Borg, sacrificing herself yet again to ensure every single member of her crew gets home. Temporarily killing off their characters is nothing new to Star Trek, but poor Janeway got the worst of all with her numerous deaths. She proved, however, that you can't keep a good captain down, especially when they have a loyal crew at their back. And uh, I think that, you know, even though people say, well, these time loop episodes and that sort of thing can sometimes become a little tropey, I personally think what it gives uh, Star Trek is an opportunity to show the lengths to which their captains will go to serve their crews. And Janeway is a perfect example of that. I mean, she, she, dude, she died 17 times during the series. That's a lot. That's a lot of sacrifice for her crew. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Kudos to Janeway yeah, for dying the I, most. You, 
And I'm trying to think, Eric, how many other captains have died that uh, even remotely close to that? Well, I don't think any other captains uh, have died that many times. Uh, there have been a couple of characters that have died a few times, but not not even close to 17. And, you know, I mean, they, they rightfully so that, you know, episode 15 of season three, Coda, several of those 17 are in that episode. But still, there are a variety of episodes that they bring up here, and they, it's because the Voyager keeps put being, getting put into these impossible situations, right, that you don't encounter in the Alpha Quadrant. See, I know Carr died. He got stabbed in the heart. Hugh brought him back. Then he yeah. died in the episode Inner Light. Yep. Um, then there well, was another yeah. episode where there was yeah. a time-traveling Picard, and Picard had to kill himself in the shuttle bay. Yep. That's three that come to mind. I, I, there might be more if I think really hard, but that's only three, not 17. And, <laughs> yeah, and they're not and they're not sacrifices for the crew in those cases. They're usually personal stories of Picard that are, you know, pan, uh, being played out uh, at his for his benefit, not his crew's benefit, you know. Yeah, so. and uh Cisco Oh man, Cisco. Did he ever die? Hmm, let's see, uh, did not that I... die? I don't think so, I mean, you know, he certainly went through the transformation kind of at the end there when he really becomes the real emissary and everybody kind of understands who he is, but I, he never really dies that I can think of. No, uh, nothing comes to I'm mind. I'm trying to think if Mirror Cisco dies in one of those Mirror DS9 episodes or not. I think he makes it through too. Yeah, so there you go. Good old Janeway and giving Archer, it up for her crew every day. <laughs> I don't think Archer Archer ever died either. No, Archer's – yeah, Enterprise had very few kind of time shenanigans other than the whole time war concept. There wasn't a lot of like going back to 1968 or that kind of thing going on like there were in some of the other series. Yeah, so I think, I think that Janeway definitely holds the record for sure. Good for her. I wow. That's quite a distinctive record. <laughs> wow. I, I can't think of any. No. Janeway's awesome. No, I mean, she's I, just, you know, I think, I think that any Starfleet captain that we really know and love, uh, except maybe Lorca, would probably do that for their crew. I mean, I absolutely think that Picard would do that, given the opportunity, you know, save his crew over himself. Um, I think Pike is a perfect example of somebody who absolutely would do that. I think your little story about him knowing, you know, his own fate and yet still pushing forward and doing the right thing. Uh, I think that's what makes a good Starfleet captain. And I think, frankly, that Michael Burnham would too. You know, she's a captain that we're kind of new to as a captain, I think some people have some questions about what type of captain she's going to be. I don't think there's any question, though, that in the first few seasons of Discovery here, she has shown herself as a person who will sacrifice herself, put herself out there, you know, do what it takes to save other people at her own expense while moving the ball yep. forward. Uh, so I think that's cool. Yeah, I think th there's an article on our Facebook page and uh, Charles and I were talking about some of the ramifications of that episode before we went on the air here about Michael Burnham and Kurtzman and crew said that 
in season four, she's, she's an untried captain and that she's going to make some mistakes along the way. And uh, if you think about it, how many times have we actually got to see a captain as their first time captaincy? Well, you know? and thank goodness, because I think what I think one of the things, if I was to say it's probably one of the strengths, but also maybe one of the faults of Star Trek is that, you know, Star Trek was conceived, I think you can't argue uh, against this. It was conceived on this kind of utopian idea, right? Post-scarcity society and that sort of thing. And what you get then is you get idealized captains like Picard. You're like, oh, Picard is like, he's practically perfect, right? Like, how can I possibly live up to that ideal? So in one way, it's a morality to shoot for, but in some ways it can be a daunting task to like look at Picard and say, oh man, he's like, how am I ever going to get there? What they have with Burnham is the opportunity to show that development, to show somebody who obviously has the right, um, you know, inner workings to make those right decisions. She's captain material very clearly. Um, and yet, you know, she's got this personality that we've seen over a few seasons that is a little fiery. Um, she gets a little uh, into her causes and that kind of stuff. You know, book says you always have to save, save the world every single time. Well, she's kind of like that. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see her develop as a captain making those mistakes and not being this idealized version of a captain that we have with Picard or frankly, even Pike at this point, right? He's yeah, like, you look at Pike and you're, you get all starry eyed because you're like, Oh my God, he's the perfect captain. Well, Burnham's going to show us how we can all be captains, right? I think that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to season four and season five, by the way. So listen, guys, we're going to take another commercial break uh, for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. We do have a few more news stories to cover, so don't worry. Don't touch that dial. Run. Don't walk to the bathroom. Hurry up. Grab something to munch on and head right back because we're going to be right back with you guys to finish up our Star Trek news. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday nights, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And uh, the next story I want to talk about is Star Trek Picard Season 2 begins production. The cast of Star Trek Picard is back to work on the show's second season. After a couple of delays in getting things going, Star Trek Picard star Michelle Hurd posted on Instagram saying that she and presumably the rest of the cast and crew are back to work, and it feels so good. Hurd plays Rafi Muscier and Picard. Rafi worked with Jean-Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart, during the Romulan rescue efforts when Picard resigned from Starfleet. Rafi got caught in the backlash, and her life went off the rails. Picard entering production is the next <coughs> is the next step in what looks to be an exciting time for Star Trek fans. Star Trek Picard is one of five Star Trek shows in production in 2021. Star Trek Discovery entered production on its fourth season in November and continues in Toronto. Star Trek Strange New Worlds began production. Picard is now back to work, and the two Star Trek animated shows, Lower Deck and Prodigy, are also working on their second and first seasons, respectively. And that's not the end. We're still awaiting news on Michelle Yeoh's Section 31-led series and a Star Trek fan head 
Alex Kurtzman says there's more Star Trek planned for years to come. We literally just got off a call with the network mapping out with us through 2027, Kurtzman said during an episode of the Hollywood Reporters podcast. Now, when I say that, it's not like it's all set in stone. It's just here's a plan and here's what we're looking at. Here's how the different shows are going to drop. Consider the fact that it takes a year from inception, from starting production to airing. You have to plan way, way, way in advance to get those things done. And you have to stay on top and make sure that what you're doing is relevant. The Star Trek universe is available to stream in its entirety on CBS All Access, which will become Paramount Plus on March 4th. Eric, what do you got for us? Uh, I got a great article. Star Trek Discovery, great house set for a dramatic return as showrunner drops a huge spoiler. Star Trek Discovery will soon return for its fourth season, and showrunner Michelle Paradise has confirmed that the fan-favorite Trill, Grey Tal, will make his dramatic return. The third season of the CBS sci-fi show finally introduced transgendered and non-binary characters to the universe, and showrunner Michelle Paradise has confirmed diversity and representation will play a major part in the upcoming fourth season. Season three introduced the groundbreaking member of the cast along Side his partner and host, Adira Tal, portrayed by the series' first non-binary actor, Blue Del Barrio. Discovery's latest installment was also noted for its bombshell ending, which finally placed series lead Michelle, Michael Burnham, played by Sinequa Martin-Green, into the captain's chair. The stage has now been set for an explosive fourth season. Paradise confirms will pay off several pivotal character moments from season three. Though Michael Burnham is not the first black woman to captain her own starship, as confirmed by extended Star Trek media and comic books, she is the first of the same to lead her own television series. Ending on such a monumental moment for the franchise will be hard to top, but Paradise assures fans that season four will likely take a similar progressive approach to TV representation. Quote, it matters that there are non-binary and transgender characters. It matters that there is a black woman in the captain's chair. It matters that there is a gay couple on our show, end quote. Until the end of season three, Gray was only visible to Adiria as their symbiote, making them at first human to perma- the first human to permanently bond with a trill. Though their relationship may appear to have reached its pinnacle, Paris promised that the pair would continue to play a major role in season four. She revealed, quote, we will continue to do that for the show and the world we live in, but also to honor the Star Trek legacy. And to be super clear, we will pay that moment off in season four. Gray will be seen. That promise will be paid off. So that's pretty exciting. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions based on season three about how they're going to make Gray seen to everybody. Um, I have a lot of theories. We can talk about those another time. But I was super excited about this show to hear that that character will be coming back and that those two characters, Adir and Gray, will continue to uh, have their own kind of adventures as a couple as well. So pretty exciting. Charles, what do you have for your article? Uh, I, I posted this to our chat and was just so excited when this popped up in my feed. 2021 Star Trek Publishing Slate. Includes Discovery, Picard, classic movie era, classic classic movie era tales, and more. This the up and coming year may be devoid of Star Trek for a while as the new round of episodes before the before cameras. 
That doesn't mean we won't get any new stories for fans to enjoy in the meantime. <clears throat> Coming in May is the first far future tale in Star Trek Discovery's novel series. Luna McCormick is back in Star Trek Discovery's Wonderland, placed in the years between Michael Burns' arrival in 3188, that hope is U Part 1 and the subsequent crash of the USS Discovery in 3189, far from home. So we're going to get some details into that missing gap. Who knows? And you know, with their access to the writer's room, the writers have probably had some pretty good input into what's going into that book. That's definitely going to be on my wish list. June takes us back to the pre-Rathicon days of Admiral Kirk, Captain Spock, and the original original series crew with Star Trek the original series, Living Memories. Christopher L. Bennett, the author of the next entry in his post, the motion picture storyline, and a follow-up to last year's High Frontier. <coughs> July beams us back to the Enterprise D for Cassandra Rose Clark's Star Trek The Next Generation Shadows Have Offended, a Deanna Troy Beverly special novel set during the final year of the TV series. And the next one is really on my radar. Cristobal Rios gets his own feature in August's Star Trek Picard Rogue Element, a just-revealed third novel in the Picard line, following January's A Dark Veil, from John Jackson Miller, set, set years before the events of Picard and the TV series. We get a backstory for Rio. <laughs> oh, it's our Han Solo book. That's going to be another one in my wish list. Mm-hmm. This year's fan slate also includes a year-ending trilogy of Star Trek Coda, <coughs> which will push forward a long-running novel con- continuity, which to date remains independent of Star Trek Picard's storyline. Book 1, Moments Shutter by Dayton Ward. Book 2 is Ashes of Tomorrow by James Swallow. And the follower's book three, The Oblivion Gate by David Mack. The, triv- the trilogy will arrive September, October, and November of this year. Wow. So we've got some great novels coming up, including some good Picard and Discovery novels. Man, Book Nook is going to be full of stuff, we- stuff we're going to have to be reading. There are so many oh, of those yeah. that I'm interested Lots in. I mean, those last three, you've got, like the, you've got like the big three. You've got Dayton Ward, James Swallow, and David Mack doing those last three books. That's amazing. And Una. And then and Una, Una doing Una the what, Yeah. Back. Yeah, Una doing the year yeah. that Michael was with Book and met Book and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be so cool. In fact, I'm, I'm in the middle. To I'm it. almost to the end of The Dark Veil in audio. And that book is good. I think it's going to be our. I think it's going to be part of our finale discussion of Romulan. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. With Romulan and occurs after Picard resigns. And we get to meet a couple of characters. I mean, get to meet a character that I think many of us want to know more about, but I won't talk about him yet. Well, we we that wraps up our followed. Uh-huh. You follow the the movie, you'll know who I'm talking about. Uh-huh. That that wraps up our our uh, news and birthday section. Now we're going to move into comic corner. We're going to talk about Star Trek Year Five issues seventeen and eighteen. Our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three, and we're going to jump right into Star Trek Year Five issue seventeen. But before we do that. I must warn you. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. All right. You have been warned. (laughs) 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 So, uh, Eric, do you want to start us off with issue 17? I sure do. So, issue 17, I think, is a uh, real special, special issue in this year five continuity. So, Thus far, we have pretty much been having uh, these issues coming out as pairs, and Charles has brought up many times that the stories have kind of been told in two issues at a time, and and as we've kind of been marching through the series, that's been a pretty great rhythm that they've established. This particular issue, I think, breaks that rhythm, but it breaks it in a really good way, and now that we've actually read that article about what's yet to come, it sort of makes sense uh, that they stuck this in here, and then the pairs will now become... Uh, 1819, you know, 2021 instead of 1718. So this one really focuses on the character of Gary Seven. And in case you don't remember who Gary Seven is, uh, Gary Seven is from the original series episode uh, Assignment Earth, uh, which is listed as the last episode from uh, from that season. Uh, in that episode, um, we learn a little bit about who Gary Seven is. He appears to be a person who the Uh, The Enterprise accidentally intercepts a transporter beam of, and he ends up on the Enterprise unexpectedly. Uh, The little that we know about him is that uh, he apparently comes from uh, some people who were taken from the Earth 6,000 years ago, so around 4,000 BC or so, uh, and that he's, he's there to basically make sure that an orbital weapons platform doesn't get deployed because if it does, the human race is going to end. So he is a, he's a time traveler. He has many abilities and he carries something that is not unlike a sonic screwdriver, right, Charles? (laughs) Yeah. So in this issue, uh, we are mostly dealing with that character. And I think that we are also treated with a special treat. One of our personal show favorites, JK Woodward does all of the art for this issue. So uh, the art in this issue is quite different from what we get in the rest of the Year 5 series. I think the last time we saw J.K. in Star Trek was back during the uh, Mirror Universe books that had come out, which were also outstanding. J.K.'s style is really different from tom- uh, typical comic book style. He paints, and his uh, each one of his uh, drawings looks like an actual painting. So uh, it has much much less of a pencil quality, I think, and much more of a kind of washes of color sort of quality. So this book starts out, um, and you've got Gary Seven uh, running through what kind of looks like a, a 1950s neighborhood and uh, kind of living the ideal life. You see he's 
he's doing the right thing every day, you know, taking his vitamins, uh, running, getting some exercise. And he's finally confronted one day uh, by a gentleman who comes to him and says that Gary Six is dead and that he is now to become Gary Seven for an, uh, an organization called Aegis. And I think one of the coolest things after that sort of moment in the comic book is that they then pull back the scene and you see that this perfect little ideal town that Gary Seven's been growing up in and living his life in is actually located under a dome on some asteroid out there in space. So it adds a lot of mystery, I think, and kind of like je ne sais quoi to uh, Gary Seven and his character and where he came from. You learn that he's actually part of a bigger uh, organization where they kind of recruit these people from all over the galaxy of different races to help protect various planets and whatnot. Um, Gary then kind of goes through this uh, process where he is downloaded all of this information to his head. So he, uh, you know, he suddenly learns all of the languages in the universe and um, suddenly becomes invulnerable to space. It says, I have some questions about that based on rewatching assignment earth, which we can chat about a little bit. Uh, but after he actually goes through his personal transformation, you meet none other than Isis, uh, first in human form, then who shows him that she can transform into cat form. And you remember her as mostly a black cat from Assignment Earth. You don't see her uh, until the very, very end. She transforms for just a moment uh, right at the end uh, to kind of show that she can that she can do it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so... Uh, I think it's at this point in the book that it becomes really interesting because the relationship between Gary Seven and Isis, and this is kind of the part that I'd love to talk a little bit more about, you kind of find out that um, this organization that they're working for is looking to design the ideal universe, so to speak. And the big conversation that they have over the course of two or three pages is that uh, basically feels like human beings are a little too chaotic. And that despite the fact that Gary has been around for a while, has been taking care of the, uh, the episode of Simon Earth go down the way that they need to from a time stream standpoint, um, you eventually find out that really from ISIS's standpoint, human beings and specifically Kirk is going to become a problem. And she basically tells Gary that despite all of this care and effort that you've put into the Earth and these people, and that's the Gary that we see in Assignment Earth, right? We see a one who Kirk is suspicious of, but then ultimately is absolutely helpful and benevolent. Um, you see Isis kind of turn him from that sort of character into somebody who now sees Kirk as an enemy. And I think that's kind of an interesting twist because I've always seen Gary Seven as a good guy, you know, kind of the misunderstood good guy. He shows up in Assignment Earth as... Um, somebody who Kirk is just like, he will not believe him throughout the whole episode. It's almost annoying how Kirk won't believe him until almost the very end. And yet he does the right thing in the end. And eventually it all becomes clear to Kirk and Spock. And they find out that he really is a good guy. Isis sort of plays a very small part in assignment earth. She plays a much bigger part in this comic. And I think that is very cool. She's, she's like a partner, almost like a magical familiar uh, you know, if you think about wizards and kind of the pets that they carry, and yet is she the one who's actually in charge here? Is Gary Seven her pawn? I think that's maybe the sense that I get from this book. I love this book. 
I thought the story was really interesting. I loved the backstory on Gary Seven. I don't think 100% of it is necessarily consistent with what we hear in Assignment Earth, but generally speaking, the development of the organization that he works for and all of the, um, the kind of finer points about ISIS and her relationship to the organization were really, really interesting. And I have to tell you guys, the art was, of course, outstanding. Just dynamic, beautiful, um, changes all the time on different pages, different panel layouts that match what's going on. Uh, different styles, you know, whether you're kind of looking back in time or looking at what's going on these days. I love this book. I thought it was right up there with some of the best from this series. What did you guys think? I agree. I think, I think Jay, if you're going to buy any book, buy this one because JK, the artwork is phenomenal. Uh, he's an incredible artist and it shows in these pages. Uh, one page I'm looking at right in front of me here, page number, Oh, there is no page. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, there's a page where they show ISIS transforming from a human mm. into a cat. Yeah. It's incredible. So cool. It's just so cool the way the way uh, J.K. is able to capture that that transformation. It's 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 phenomenal. And like like Eric said, the layout of the panels are are great. And and I really like the. There's a page in here where. Uh, they're showing Gary Seven. We know that he goes back in Assignment Earth and uh, stops the missile from exploding. But did you know that he also went back in time and convinced Jimi Hendrix to play at Woodstock? That's, that's an interesting fact we didn't know. Huh? Did, did you also know that in 2063, uh, he shows up on the Vulcan ship and, and convinces them to go and check out the warp signature on Earth? Another interesting fact. <laughs> So that's right. Kinds of little, in, yeah. The, the the book is filled with little twists and little interesting little panels. If you you pay attention, you can catch exactly where it's happening. And and again, the artwork is just just what you'd expect from J.K. It's phenomenal. Uh, I like the story. I like the artwork. I like the layout. And it's fun to get some backstory on a character. He's been the main the main nemesis for year five so far, Gary said. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and his intentions and and motivations have been unclear. You know, like you haven't really known. Like he's he's kind of been messing with Kirk, right? And it was a little inconsistent with the Gary Seven that we knew, and we 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 didn't. I don't I don't think we knew really until this issue why he was messing with Kirk so much throughout the series, right? No, very, very well done. You're like, what's wrong with you, Gary? I thought you were friends. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, so this is Jim. I was just going to say that page that you mentioned is also a perfect example of how Star Trek can be educational, too. So the other things that they reference there, I got a couple references right away. Sarajevo, 1914. So I was like, what the heck happened in Sarajevo, 1914? Well, if you just Google that, you get the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. So he was there present for that as well. He was there present for uh, um, back with uh, uh, the original con, not the not the Star Trek con, but the Mongol con back in 1206. So we don't even know when he came to the Earth. We assume it was now as a result of his book before 1206. But he's been around a while. Yeah, and. And, and, you know, 
when when they came around and said that Gary Six had just died and now it was time for Gary Seven, I immediately thought of Logan's Run, and yeah, uh, like, you know, well, I'm and, Logan Six and Jessica Five. Yep. <laughs> and the other cool thing about that page, did you notice that when he meets the other races too, they talk about uh, a couple of names like there's a Vulcan who's Koak Five, and the Klingon is a Zarum Nineteen, <laughs> presumably because the Klingons die a lot faster than anybody else does. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did, I think there was a reference in there that, uh, if I remember correctly, he's the only human or the first human or something. I, I, there was something mentioned like that. I'd have to go back and see if I could find it. But all, yeah. all the other agents were aliens, Andorians, Tellarites, Klingons. Uh, but he was the only human uh-huh. for some reason. Yeah, I kind of got the sense that all these different races sort of had their own protector. You know, the Andorian one may be protecting some Andorian planet or, you know, the Cardassian one may be protecting Cardassian Prime. We don't really know for sure. But they definitely, it seemed like he was unique. And they also gave him a name, you know, in, in Assignment Earth, he says he's Supervisor 194. Well, in this book, they describe that he, that's because he is the 194th supervisor who has been, um, you know, christened a supervisor by Aegis, who's the who's the organization he works for. Oh, that's right. He's the human supervisor. That's what it was. They give that's a little bit more context because if you think about it, in uh, Assignment Earth, he asks where those other two agents are, and they have higher numbers than he does. There's like a I don't remember their numbers. It's like a 207 and a 420 or something like that. And so that just goes to show that now that we've got this book, it's like, oh, okay, because they were they were christened in order. So the two agents that he loses or not loses, but who aren't there because they get killed in a car crash in Assignment Earth, those two agents are actually younger than him, became agents after he did and were on uh, the Earth trying to get this assignment done that he eventually has to get done. Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting two, uh, book, two, and I wasn't two, expecting one, it. Two and um, seven, four, seven, four, three, four, seven. Oh yeah, there you go. Three, four, seven. I I honestly was surprised. I wasn't expecting this book because I thought when we decided to do seventeen and eighteen, it would be one story arc. But then they threw in this Gary Seven one, and now it's yep. going to throw off my whole plan. So now we're going to be back on, um, you know, uh, half. Uh, episodes instead of full episodes, but that's okay. So listen, guys, uh, we have to take another our final commercial break of the night for our listeners over at Odyssey Radio. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear what Charles thinks about this book, and then we're going to give it a final score, and we're going to move into Star Trek Year Five, uh, Chapter Eighteen, which actually will be the beginning of a new episode instead of the end of an episode. So don't go away, don't touch your dial. We'll be right back after this very urgent, yet very informative message from Jamie. Hi, this is Jamie from Check Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 
Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back, and we're talking about Star Trek Year 5, Issues 17 and 18, and we're just about to hear what Charles thought about Episode uh, 17, the backstory of Gary 7. What did you think about it, Charles? Very interesting. I thought it was fascinating to sit there and look how he lives. He's just an ordinary person living on this planet, and you realize many of the details of where Gary 7 came from. Very interesting backstory for him. We also get a very interesting backstory about ISIS. We also kind of get an idea how much ISIS is covering up for the organization. What direction they're going. And definitely she's got some secrets that she's revealing. And you kind of do wonder what's... Really, what, what is the whole truth? I think she's got what she believes is the truth, but I think I'm kind of wondering what is the real truth. And that real truth is what we're not going to find out until Gary Seven ends up dealing with Kirk. Overall, definitely a good book. I see a lot of Jake in there. And definitely was a good read. Definitely made me kind of wonder what was going on next. So what would you what would you give it on a scale of one to ten? What would you score this one, Charles? Uh, I'll go an eight on this one. Eight? That's 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 pretty respectable. How about you, Eric? Uh, I think if you are not familiar with Gary Seven, uh, I would give this about an eight. But if you know who Gary Seven is and you're thirsty for more information about him, I give this one a nine point two. Very strong, very good art, the writing, good character development. So, but you got to be interested in the character to really dig it. Yeah, I, I think you know what I think I'm going to go with with a nine on this one, and I, and I'm I'm going to tell you why because this book is a standalone book. You didn't have to read any of the other year fives to to pick this one up and and get right into the story. It's it's totally standalone, and if you're a TOS fan and you've seen the Simon Earth, and you're interested in Gary Seven, or if you know who he is and you pick this book up, you'll love it. The, the, out, the artwork and the way it's laid out, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pure JK. It's, 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 it's stunning. I can't say enough about it. Um, it's not your classic comic book layout. Um, each panel and each page is like an individual piece of artwork, and it's just it's easy on the eyes. It's it's beautiful to look at. Uh, the, the 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 coloring, the likeness of the characters, the artwork, everything about it is phenomenal. So, um, yeah, I'd have to give this one a nine myself. So, there you have it. Um, the next book that we're going to talk about is Star Trek Year Five, issue number eighteen. And uh, going back to our our classic roots, uh, when compared to the, to this last issue. This is more along the lines of your classic comic books. Uh, this has got a lot of bright, vibrant colors, um, a, a splash pages, uh, lots of 
uh, of layout like you would see in your traditional comic book. When you think of a comic book, this is exactly what you think of. So we're, we're going back to your classic comic book layout. Uh, this, this particular one has the Enterprise on their way back to Earth to be decommissioned for Kirk to accept an admiral's position, and they, they get a, uh, a, a distress call from a planet. And it's this, remember the admiral a couple of issues ago who tried to take over, and he was like had all the hexagonal shapes on him? Yeah, yeah, and uh, then we... Yeah, I can't remember his name, but they but we find out that he's from Proxima Centauri in this book, and the people yeah. there look a little bit different from humans because they've they've actually evolved over time. It was one of the first human colonies that actually uh, um, Cochrane ended up in. Is that from Cochrane ended up in? But yeah, they've they've yeah. mutated a little bit, so that's what gives them those hexagonal shapes on their face. So this answers a question as to why we never heard of this dude before and here's kind of why he looks that way we get to find out like eric just said and they go to the planet and what's cool about this is now we're back to the enterprise crew and we have lieutenant eric's who's the edogian with three arms and three legs and he's back on the bridge again in fact he assumes he assumes command of the enterprise when kirk beams down to the planet um and of course we get down to the planet, and who's causing all the havoc? Not Gary Seven, but it's Isis. And uh, she's pissed, you know, and uh, she's wreaking havoc, and Kirk and crew have to stop her. But, of course, it's never, 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 never that easy, and uh, McCoy ends up becoming infected with this, this virus, and uh, Isis ends up back on the Enterprise, and once she gets there, all hell breaks loose. And the book ends uh, right where it begins. The book begins with a with a um, shot of Chekhov and Sulu uh, engaged with somebody, and it ends with Chekhov and Sulu engaged with somebody. Except in the end, we see that it's actually Isis. And she's she's in her human form, and Chekhov and Sulu are confronting her, and bam 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 to be continued in the next issue. So uh, one of the things I noticed about this right away that I thought was I don't know if it's strange, but one of the things that caught my eye is that something about Star Trek that I think was endearing to a lot of fans, myself included is the constant bickering between McCoy and Spock. I think that that makes Star Trek Star Trek. Would you guys agree or disagree? I think that that is absolutely one of the quintessential parts of TOS, for sure. And I think that it gets a little heavy at times, but it's very clear that they are friends. You you need that. And And I think that, you know, that's part of one of the endearing factors in Star Trek Beyond is that, is that they, they were able to capture that McCoy and Spock bickering uh, friendship, which seemed to be lacking perhaps in some of the other uh, JJ movies. But at any rate, uh, it's front and foremost in this issue. And one of the things that we see in this issue is that Captain Kirk seems to be upset and doesn't like the fact that McCoy and Spock are bickering and, and arguing all the time and tells them to cool it, which I thought was kind of strange because one of the, one of the things about the show is that, that I picked up is that Kirk really needs, he needs the emotionalism of McCoy 
and he needs the logic of Spock, and then based on that, he'll make his own decision. So the fact that he told them to basically shut up and, and cool it, I thought it was kind of strange. But we'll have to see where you know, it's going. Where, where... You're, I think yep, you're right, right, Jim, but I, I think they actually spoil maybe a little bit of an explanation for that in this issue. Because remember, they have a conversation. McCoy and Kirk actually have a conversation on the side about Spock and about how Spock has been acting kind of weird lately. And McCoy says, like, oh, I've scanned him all up, and he all, he, you know, he looks good, but it's clear that something's off. And Kirk's like, yeah, I know something's off, but, you know, you guys have to get along anyway. So I actually think it's a combination of factors. I think something's up with Spock that's going to be revealed later. And I also think that we're getting a Kirk who has now been in space for five years. He doesn't, we know, because of what we know from from him later, and we kind of know going into this because they've also spoiled it a little bit in the series, that he doesn't really want to be an admiral, right? So I think that he's kind of, he's seeing this as, okay, here's his big homecoming. He's coming home. He just wants to get home. But even when he gets home, he still has to deal with this, like, okay, now they're going to make me an admiral. I just don't really want to be an admiral. So I think there's a couple reasons that he's a little bit on edge and then also maybe being a little bit more salty towards McCoy and Spock than he normally would be because maybe something's up with Spock. Well, you know what? I'm wondering if maybe maybe this is leading up to the motion picture and maybe he's thinking about yeah. leaving and going to Vulcan. Maybe exactly. he's starting to hear the echoes of V'ger, maybe. Yes. Um, well, I, I absolutely thought about the leaving to go to Vulcan thing because, right, he before he hears V'ger, right, we know that he already went to Vulcan at, because that's, of course, where they, they pick him up, right? So we know that he eventually needed to go and, like, spend some time by himself meditating or doing whatever whatever he was going to do there. So, But, you know, you mentioned Eric's, Jim, and, oh, man, when I saw that panel with him, I was like, that is so cool. And then they actually hand the code over to Sulu. And then I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if they're going to kill off Eric's in this series. I really hope they don't. But how else do we get him off the ship and, you know, Sulu and Chekhov at the front two stations? I, I don't know. I think we might lose Eric's. That's my prediction. I don't want to lose him because it was so fun to see him. It was. It was great to see him. And, and, the artwork is, is, is very bright, very colorful. Um, it's easy to follow. Uh, it's fun to read. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think if there, so, if there is before, a – oh, sorry, go ahead. But before yep. Eric and I continue yapping about it uh, <laughs> and steal your thunder, <laughs> did you have anything – what did you want to say about Star Trek Year 5, Issue 18? Oh, no real thunder. I thought it was interesting. We're visiting a planet we've never been to before because we're dealing with these people with these interesting designs on their face. And that definitely it's a unique planet. And the debates, the arguing and debates between McCoy and Spock are definitely a lot more towards the original TOS. But it's also interesting where you think that Fox trying to do one thing and then realizing that he's trying to help McCoy. 
also, and then how much trust they have in McCoy. And they kind of really get you to a point of like, okay, what's going to happen? And it's like, yeah, I do want to read the next issue. They're kind of pulling you in wanting to know what's going on, but you kind of wonder what ISIS's plan is. And definitely, I think we're tying in to wonder what's going to happen next. Well, if we if we look at Star Trek the Motion Picture, uh, we know that at Decker is going to take command at some point in time. We, we know that happens. So we also know that Scotty stays aboard as chief engineer. We also know that Chekhov is there, Sulu is there, and Uhura is there. And we also know that Nurse Chapel becomes the chief medical officer and McCoy leaves Starfleet because the revered, the revered Admiral Nagura uh, invokes a seldom heard, seldom used reserve activation clause and drafts McCoy back into service. So we know he leaves, we know Spock leaves, and we know that Kirk becomes an admiral. So those things will have to be addressed in in upcoming issues at some point, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, by by weaving this story of Isis and Gary 7 into this, I believe that they're going to lead us right to that. I mean, we still have no idea what's going on with Isis. She does show up in this book. She's not actually on the Enterprise. She's still on the planet. But she says that her work here is done and that she's ready for a little revenge. And so we have no idea why she's seeking revenge. Like, (laughs) that seems very out of character for somebody who's working for this organization that's supposed to keep everything aligned uh, with the time stream and that sort of thing. And I think... I think, and this is another prediction, we get a little bit of a spoiler because, Jim, did you notice after the last page here, they show the cover for issue 19, they show Isis holding a red shirt who appears to maybe be dead. Uh, Sulu and Chekhov are there pointing phasers at her, but what does she look like? Her left hand looks like a Tholian hand. And in fact, in this issue, she's uh, talking with Gary Seven a thousand years ago or 2000 years ago or whatever Gary seven was commissioned about the fact that the Tholians are the ones who supposedly will be able to achieve this kind of perfect universe that they're, that he just is looking for. Um, so I think we've got some, some Tholian stories uh, yet to be told, not just about bright eyes. But I think there's some uh, maybe secret stuff going on here that is yet to be revealed. Well, we didn't see bright eyes at all in this story. In fact, so that's true. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe she is bright eyes. You know. Well, I don't think they're. Possible. I don't think they're bright eyes because remember, bright eyes was made a member of the crew. So I think, I think, I think they're on the on the ship right now. Bright eyes is on the ship right now. But I do think that Isis could be another Tholian. Um Remember, we had some. They were, gosh, I'm trying to remember back. Weren't there some, like, not shape-shifting Tholians, but ones that were, like, a different color or something a few issues ago? Yeah. So, you know, maybe evil Tholians. I I have to go back and read those issues again. I don't remember what the story was with them. It's definitely an interesting story. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. 
Yeah, and this book is great because it really, like, I think if there's one artist who is the face of Star Trek Year 5 right now, it's Angel Hernandez. Um, This is the artist that has penciled most of these issues, and I think the style really comes through, and it it does give a cohesiveness to all of these books. I mean, I I appreciate the fact that bringing in an artist like J.K. every once in a while and give us a little one-shot that's a little different. But Angel Hernandez has, as far as I'm concerned, been knocking out of the park. Um, Their ability to to capture what a person looks like. I mean, Uhura looks exactly like Uhura, you know, just, it's amazing to me when somebody's so able to capture somebody's um, actual face in such an accurate way. (laughs) And I think that that, along with that colorful style that you were talking about, Jim, makes this a really dynamic book. All of Angel's books are really dynamic, but this one in particular, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of word bubbles. I feel like you can read this one two or three times and, you know, be interested in the story every time you, you read it. Yeah, I, I like the fact that, speaking of Tholian, I like the fact that they use the spacesuits from Tholian Web again mm-hmm. um, in this one. And also um, uh, the Naked Now. These are the yeah. same, like, tinfoil uh, type spacesuits with the red and blue and yellow, whatever you call them, design on the front of yeah. them with the nameplate under underneath their faces. <laughs> which, so it's cool to see some continuity there, where where they're you know reusing you know technology that we saw on the show, which which I always like. Uh-huh. I always like when when they do stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah. like I said, I like I like that, that Eric's is here because we haven't seen him in quite a while. Actually, yeah, it's a and it's a really cool like detailed drawing of him too. You kind of get uh, like I, that whole idea of somebody who has an arm that comes out of their chest is just fascinating to me, <laughs> and it seems so foreign, you know, to the. It, I mean, can you imagine an arm coming right out of your chest? But the the detail that they put into his face while he's on the bridge there, I think, is just really cool. You get it. It's the first time I really. I mean, the animated series, you get a sense of what he looks like, but it's in the animated version. This, even though it's drawn, uh, gives it gives him more of a. If he was on a series where they had a big makeup budget, what would Eric's actually look like? I think he would look like this, which I think is super cool. Well, one of the things that I thought was really cool about Lower Decks is we saw Nadojian on Lower Decks, which was which was really cool that they brought him back. Um, if you guys remember, yeah, absolutely. He was, he, yeah, absolutely. He was the guy that ran that. I forgot what it was called. Where where Tendi's dog ended up on that colony. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the captain of that ship, and he was an uh, Indonesian, oh. just like Eric. Or so. And, and, and you know, if they were I to also, do it, if they were, I was gonna say, if they were to do him these days, it would be a totally different thing. Like I, I went back and I did a little calculation um, based on. Um, one of our birthdays from this week, I was thinking about uh, Fred Freiberger and, you know, what he had to work with back in the day in terms of budget. And I think I calculated out that um, in today's dollars, uh, each episode of the original series would have had something like $350,000 to work with, like if you converted it into today's dollars. And Star Trek Discovery has, what was it? Was it $8 million per episode? Or something like that. Imagine six, six what the million Eric's you, six million dollars per episode. Imagine the Eric's you could do with six million dollars per episode. <laughs> he would look so cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you know, I, I want to say that bo- I, I think it's great that both of these books that we talk about are completely contrasting in styles and techniques to each other. Um, the opening page on this is a beautiful page with the Enterprise. And then, like Eric was just talking about Hura and the bridge and Eric's on, on, in the side panel, it's a very colorful page. It's a great picture of the Enterprise. And it's a total contrast to the art style of J.K. And as I said, this is your classic. When you think of a comic book, this is what you think of. And uh, I think that, I think like, uh, like Eric said, Angel Hernandez catches these characters perfectly. The likeness of them is, is spot on. The, even the way the Enterprise looks, the bridge, the, the meeting room, everything is spot on. And I, I really, really think they did a spectacular job with this book. I'm very okay. impressed with it. Yep. Very impressed. How about you, Charles? What'd you oh, think? Definitely I'm impressed with the design on it. They did a very good job making it Definitely a much star is definitely what we've been expecting out of year five. And you know what's yeah, so cool about about that character of Isis? Did you did you guys know that the actress who originally played Isis, who just shows up at the very end of Assignment Earth, did you know that she was actually not credited at all for that role? And that it wasn't until twenty nineteen that even who that actress was was actually nailed down. So the woman who played Isis, the human Isis in Assignment Earth, her name is April Tatro. And her, for years and years and years, people thought that this other woman named Victoria Vetri was actually that actress. So uncredited performance, actually credited on the side to somebody else for years and years and years, wasn't revealed until 2019 that April Tatro was actually the one that played that character. And now in this book, we're finally starting to learn just a little bit more about that character of Isis. Isn't that cool how they pull these things out of the past and make them contemporary? I just think that's so cool. It is, it is yep. pretty awesome. So, uh, Charles, scale the one to ten, what would you give this book overall? Would you recommend it to our listeners? Oh, I'm definitely going to recommend this series, especially for the Gary 7 fans and for the TOS fans. Uh, I'll go with an eight with this one also. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. That's reasonable. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I think this one opens up a lot of uh, cool possibilities for more information about ISIS and what her motivations are. And and I like all the dialogue and everything. Really solid book. Uh, I agree with Charles. Uh, maybe I'll up it just a little bit. I'll give it a 8.2. Yep, I'm right there with you guys, 8.2, 8.3. I think the artwork is great. The layout is great. And uh, the story is, is starting to move into uncharted territory, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going to go with it. So I'm right there with you, uh, 8.3. So that wraps up our special extended edition of Comic Corner. I hope you guys had a good time. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please head over to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Help us break 40,000. Uh, we can do it. I know we can, especially with the support of you guys. That's right, you right there. Uh, head on over there. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We'd love to have you as part of our Star Trek family. 
So I want to say thank you to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you very much, Charles. Oh, I always enjoy talking Trek, comics, news. It's always fun, isn't it? Always a lot of fun. And, of course, couldn't do the show without Eric. So thank you very much for hanging out with us tonight, Eric, and doing a little bit of Trek talking tonight. Thank you. Absolutely, man. I feel super lucky to know guys who love this stuff as much as I do and get to talk to you every single week about it and share it with our fans. Woohoo! Thank you so much, fans. All, all around the globe, Australia, uh, everywhere. It's, it's so Spain, many. Uh, so many places. It's great. And let's not forget um, Patrick in Switzerland as well. That's right. Was it was his name? Yeah. Was it was it Patrick? Or, yeah, it was, was it, Patrick. Was his yep. name Patrick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Patrick, Patrick called us twice from Switzerland. Patrick, yep. we love you. Call us again. I know he's he's listening. That was awesome. I want to let you guys know that next, well, before we talk about next week, Sunday, uh, myself and the one and only Leslie Hoffman are going to be doing Stunt Trek, same bat time, same bat channel. Head on over to the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page and uh, say hello to Leslie. If you have an idea for a show, drop us a line there, and we'll be more than happy to uh, to do it for you guys. So check that out on Sunday night. Next Thursday, we'll be back with another episode of Trek Talking. This time, we're going to be continuing our coverage and our discussion of the Romulans with what I think are really two um, – very good fan favorite episodes. One of them is called The um, Defector, and James Sloan had a birthday this week. And this is the episode where, dun dun dun, spoiler alert, Worf has Klingons to cloak around the Romulans, and uh, it's got one of the greatest endings of a Star Trek episode ever. I can't wait to talk so about it with you guys. So good. Um, it's just, uh, it's just good. I can't say enough about it. And, of course, we're going to be talking about the face of the enemy, which I think is probably one of the strongest Deanna Troy episodes. Gives Marina Sirtis a chance to really dig her teeth into something other than I sense, I feel. It's a great episode. And we're going to talk about that one as well next week. So don't miss next week's show. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have Star Trek birthdays as usual. We'll have Star Trek news. We'll give our fans shout-outs. And we'll go around the globe with our numbers. So please, tune in next week. We'd love to have you along for the ride. And uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we got some great shows planned for you guys in the future. We're going to be doing a Star Trek Alliance show, and uh, we're going to have one of the game designers, Josh Durkins, on with us. And that's going to be March 11th, was it? It was, yeah. Old and yeah. March 11th. Was it yeah. the 11th? March 11th. It was, right. yeah, Josh so Durkins. Like, yeah. yeah, so if you guys have any questions about Star Trek Alliance, that's the show. You don't want to miss that one. You can call and tell, tell Josh how great the game is, how much you love it. If you have a question about it, you want to give us a call and talk to him in person. The phone number is 646-668-2433. Mark it on your calendar. So believe it or not, guys, the pretty lady is telling me that we're out of time. Where does it go? Wow. It just flies right by. Just whoosh, and it's gone. Oof. Like dust in the wind. <laughs> Oh, we are. That's right. We're dusting in. So anyways, guys, um, I'm your Uncle Jim, your most excellent host, uh, thanking you for spending some time Trek talking with us. We really appreciate it. I want everybody to be good to each other, 
and please stay safe out there, okay? We want to have you guys around joining us for a long time to come, so please stay safe. Good night, everybody. Hailing frequencies are closed. Night, y'all. Live long and Can we go already? Yes, fine. Engage. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.